You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3 verse uh, through 6. We're going to be there for a while. We're going to jump around a little bit. Are you with me today? Good. Well, let's pray before we jump into this. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide me to my very core, meaning it's able to set up, it's able to take things that I've set up in my life as truths, and all of a sudden, by the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, it comes in and goes, we need to talk about that. And so, Father, today I pray that as a community, as people here, as believers, I pray that that our ears would be open today, our hearts would actually be receptive, that we'd actually make a choice to be engaged because you're a God that still lives and speaks, and I believe you want to speak to us today. Father, the other thing I pray is that our knees be weak so that when you begin to deal with us, that if you begin to mess with us, that we don't push back, that we would easily bend our knees and walk in lordship with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So last week, how many of you took advantage of the seven days of purpose? Anybody here? Just raise your hand if you, if you did. Did anybody enjoy that? Huh? This is yes in America. This is no. Like, huh? Okay, good. If you, if you haven't, listen to me. If you haven't, and, and I never, I'm always careful with those things when it comes to like seven days of this and 21 days of this and 14 days of this and whatever those numbers that we throw on things, we go, okay, because what happens is if you miss it or if you miss day one and then you kind of feel like, oh, I miss it. Am I even going to make heaven? I don't know if that's the case. But, but, but the good news is, is those seven days of purpose, they're still there. And there's no magical formula that, that if you missed it uh, going into the year that you can't go back and take advantage of it. Because all we did was we took out some foundational pieces of the word. And, and honestly, we could have made it 100 days of purpose. We could have made it 150 days of purpose. We could have been a whole year. It would have been that easy. But we were like, let's just take seven strong pieces of our doctrinal just stance, our beliefs, what the word says, and let's just make sure that we're good with this. So if you have not taken advantage of that, I encourage you to go back, start at day one. Listen, so let's just be honest with ourselves. Some of us have struggled with going, man, I want to get into the word. I, I want to start that discipline of just praying and knowing what to pray and like, get, how do I start this? How do I prime the pump? Well, the seven days of purpose is just a great thing and you can take advantage of it anytime. So if you haven't done it, jump in there. Whether it's whether you start on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday, it doesn't matter. Jump, jump in and take advantage of it because it was really good. And, and I was all the teachings that were done were, were just, I mean, I enjoyed it. I sat back and I got to listen. And I was just like, man, this is good stuff. Man, this is good stuff. But last week, we kind of finished up with the seven days of purpose, and we landed on, the, on our favorite subject of Freedom Church for the last 13 years. Anybody know what it was? Lordship, right? Oh, it's a happy word, right? Me submitting unto the lordship of somebody else. 
And what we realized last week and what we began to deal with last week is, is we, as believers, we treat this as if it's something new to us. Oh, this whole act of lordship is so new. But when, the, when you really break it down and you realize that, wait a second, I was walking in lordship prior to even coming to Christ. I was just, my Lord was either just myself, my addictions, my want-tos, all those things. I was, those were already my Lord. And so when Christ comes in, he goes, that all led unto death. Now make me, Lord, and, and, and link yourself. In fact, he even says, make, your make yourself as you used to be a slave to sin. Make yourself a slave to righteousness and link yourself to this. Like make me, Lord, because where I will lead you will be the opposite of where those things have led you. And so we began to talk about that, and we began to deal with that. And, and I'll be honest with you, that, that truth, and there's a reason why we have spent 13 years, going on 14 years in Freedom Church, laying that foundation and beating that thing to death. Because it's something that we struggle with. The thing that I'm most concerned about is, it's very interesting, I feel like, I feel like when we come to Christ and when we, when we quote, make him our, our Lord, which I always think is, a, is the wrong way to say it. You never make Jesus Lord of your life. First of all, you don't have the authority to make him into something he already is. All you're doing is recognizing his lordship and you coming under it. Does that make sense? So I don't, I don't give him permission to be Lord. Okay, you know what? I'll make you Lord. No, no that's not how it works. I recognize you as Lord. I recognize you as Lord. But what's funny to me is when I, and I see this in my own life, it's when we come to Christ and we begin to operate in, in lordship with him, we kind of almost decide to, we, it's, it's interesting, we almost kind of try to make up our own rules after, as if there are no rules, right? Because we love that, that Christ calls us to freedom. And so we kind of get that mindset of, I'm just free now. There's freedom in Christ. There are no rules. I can just be free in Jesus. And the reality of it is, is there are still some things that when we make him our Lord, he's going, okay, now this is my way. I don't know if you've ever played a game with somebody that, that in the game makes up their own rules. Have you ever done that? So we, we at our house, we play uh, Uno. And, and it's, and it's I've, you wouldn't imagine that Uno could get violent. I, I, did, I never, like nowhere in the, the instructions in Uno does that, does it suggest that you should wear headgear and, right? And, and Pat, like there, and like there should be weapons brought, and you should think about what you're like. None of that is in there, but in the Taylor household, right? And in the Taylor household, man, it's gonna Uno is a serious game, and it doesn't matter if you're 10 or 21, it's it's on, it is on. But the thing about it is, is playing with like crew and Kai. One of the things that they love to do in the game is they just like to go, well, you know what? We can play by this rule, and we can play by this rule, and we can play by this rule. Now, these are not rules of the game. They're not on the paper. They're nowhere. They just make them up, right? Look, look at them. Look at this sinful attitude right here, right? Look at him. Who cares right there? Does that sound like lordship? No, no. But it's a perfect representation of how we operate, right? God says this. God says, these are the rules. Who cares? I want to play this way. It makes the game funner. More fun. Right? More, more fun? Oh. 
you know what? Stand in front of people for 13 years and speak and not get corrected. This is, this is my life, right? My wife's a teacher. I love that. But it's true. We, when we get into these games, sometimes we want to make up our own rules to make the game funner for our more fun, more fun. If you're watching down line, more fun. We're working on me. Thank you very much. More fun. We do this so that we, so that we can feel good about how we're walking through the game. We can make it fit to us. We can adjust it to us. But the reality of it is, is that he says there are, there are rules that I've commanded. Like, like Jesus just didn't say, hey guys, I love you. I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to die and I'm going to come back for your sake. So you can just do whatever you want and I'll meet you in the sweet by and by. We'll hook up later, all right? I'm out of here. That's not what he said. He gave very specific commands. And he says, listen, if you're going to be my follower, if you're going to call me Lord, if you're going to walk in my lordship, then there are things that go along with that. And I want to just start here. I want to just kind of read through this and then kind of remind us of one of the things that I think, especially through COVID and especially through this time of of us all being drawn back and brought back out of spaces and, and we're no longer really kind of around people. And even when we're around people, we're really not around them. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, it's amazing. I can be at Walmart with all these people, but I'm not really around them, right? Right? It's like somebody comes down an aisle and even if I need something in the aisle, I'm like, I'll wait. Right? Like, I'm not even around people, right? And so I want to just remind us that that even in this time frame, there are still things that he's commanded of us that no matter what is going on with our world, no matter where we are in society, there are still things that we have to operate in. And let me just read this to lay this foundation. We're going to let the word kind of lay the foundation, right? And then we're going to jump back into it. Are we good with that? First John chapter 2, verse 3 and 6 just says this. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Let me just say that again. One of the determining factors on how we should know, oh, Pastor Chris, you can't judge me. How dare you stand in self-righteous and try to judge whether I know God? I didn't write this. I didn't write this at all. I'm just reading it. And it says that there are some things that we can look at to go, do I, do I, am I really walking in the Lordship of Christ? And this is what it says. It, we know, underline know, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Meaning there are commands. Very good. Wendell, I have missed you. Whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. Come on, Pastor Chris, we just got back. Can we maybe tone it down a little bit? I mean, like, hey, like, hey, we missed you. You're so great. No, we're a liar. It says, I know if I, if I say I know him, but I don't keep his commands, he is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, the love for, uh, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Did you hear that? Like, that's a heavy statement, isn't it? Like, that, like that's not just like, hey, go be free. 
Your sins are forgiven. You get to get out of jail free card. Go, just do whatever. Man, Jesus is like, listen, like, I'll know that you know me because you'll live, number one, how I live because you're following after my pattern. And the other thing is you'll do the things that I've commanded you to do. It's real, it's real simple. Like, if you're part of the family, then you'll, then you'll do family things. But I want to remind us today, I'm not just going to, I'm not just kicking us in the teeth and just going, okay, love you guys. Good luck with that. Now go do his commands. I want to just kind of focus on one simple thing here. Go to Matthew. Because this is one of the things where I feel like we've kind of, we've almost allowed our circumstances to kind of dictate how we've uh, obeyed this command. Jesus is going to pray this in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 37. Because this is something that he's commanded his followers to be and to do. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He doesn't give a time frame on that. Meaning he doesn't put boundaries on that. He doesn't say only oh, the, the, the harvest is only ripe when there, is, when there is not a pandemic. The harvest is only ripe when there is not COVID, when we, we can actually be around people. He says, no, the harvest is ripe now. Pray that there be harvesters sent into the field. And then he's going to say, okay, well, well, who are these harvesters? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Go to Mark. Mark chapter 16 says this, starting in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all, to the whole of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So he's saying, pray that those would go into the harvest. Pray that there would be those that would go in and gather the harvest. And then he's demand, demanding, let commanding us, not suggesting, not asking, stating to us. He's saying, listen, I am talking to you. You are the answer to prayer. You are the answer to this prayer. You are the one that I am asking. Go, go into the fields. Go and do this. And the reality of it is, is what's kind of happened, I feel like, is we know that command. How many of you would say, oh, Pastor Chris, that's a completely new thing. I've never heard that before. Huh? I won't judge you. But most of us have known that. But what happens is, is because of circumstances and because of, because of how we have been drawn back, we kind of almost act like as if, as if these commands no longer apply to us. We almost act like, because we read, we go, you know what? I'm going to live like, like, like First John said, I will live as Jesus lived. I'm going to do that. And I want to just show you this in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1 through 2, it says this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach him. And you would sit there and say, Pastor Chris, I'm going to live like Jesus does. Man, when I get back around the crowds, when the crowds get to come back, man, I'll be that guy. I'll be the one that, that goes, and when the crowds come back around, man, I'll be the one that, that proclaims the gospel. I'll even sit down on a mountaintop and begin to teach them if they come back around. Man, you, you show me the crowds, you show me where they're at, and I'll be there, and I'll be teaching. And I'll live just like Jesus lived. But the problem is, is we don't have crowds right now. Right? 
So what do we do? Well, let me remind you of who you are, and then we're going to just answer that question. I told you we're going to just let the word work on us today, right? You don't ever need my opinion. We just need the word to work on us, right? You don't need three words before a comma and six words after a period and then 10 hours of, uh, of, of somebody just vamping on that. We need the word to work on us. So I want to remind you of who you are. You're a people that have been commanded to do a work. And this is what it says in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. You're like, come on, man. We just got back. Can we just stick on one passage? I haven't flipped my Bible in like 10 weeks. It's always been up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, but you are a chosen people. Who is he talking about? You. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Listen to me. You are a chosen people, a prized possession, a royal priesthood, but not just that. You were chosen and set aside to do a work, and the work is to declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness. Remember what we just talked about? The same people that were in here just a little bit ago, praising and lifting their hands and shouting because they knew the revelation that they were a broken man or a broken woman that, that found a God that loved them in their brokenness is now called, in fact, commanded to be used to be able to declare the praises of God for doing that thing. This is who you are. And it says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And isn't that good? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Come on, I told you, man, we're going to just let the Word work on us, right? 1 Peter chapter 4. We ain't playing around today. I need this to sink into us. And I love this. <laughs> I love how it starts in verse 7. The end of all things is near. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> Can I just give you context? This was not written two months ago. Did you hear what I just said? The end of all things is near. Okay? Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you, listen to me, this is the command of how you walk out. That royal priesthood action, that royal decree, that royal command that's been given to you. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you, use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, listen to me, if anyone speaks, they should so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So all of a sudden, the Word is building on the Word. 
Right? We've always said that, that the Word teaches what? The Word. And the Word tells us, and we see the command of God, this is the way. We are commanded to be those that share the good news of how we were saved out of our darkness, how we can share the, and what we praise God for, what He's done. And He's saying, if you speak, speak as if you have the words of God. If you serve, serve with all your strength unto God. So that why? So that He can be praised. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Come on, we're not done yet. I told you, it's not even near 5 o'clock. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. I'm just going to read this. It says this, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. How many of you know that in your own life? I am a new creation. Did you do that on your own? Huh? Were you able to do that on your own? No. My goodness. But Christ came and all of a sudden what used to be broken is now put together. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself. Meaning he made the step, he made the action to reconcile him, us to back to him. Through Christ and gave us, now follow me here, you need to underline this. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and then what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I'm trying to build a case here and remind you of something. I'm trying to remind you of the fact that you, yes, you, yes, in the middle of COVID, yes, in the middle of a pandemic, when everybody has been drawn back, when the crowds have disappeared, and you would sit there and say, oh, Pastor Chris, man, when the crowds come back, Man, I will be the first one to speak. I'll be the first one to declare. I'll be the first one to open my mouth. But I want you to see something. And I'm going to wrap it up here. Everybody said amen. amen. I want you to go back to Matthew. Because this is what I want to remind you of. I want you to be reminded that you have been commanded to do a work. No matter what the circumstances of your life are. No matter what the circumstances of the community that you are in. You were called to do the work. You were called to have the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling that which is broken unto the God that can fix those things. Right? But I want you to see this. Because I know you would sit there and say, well, well, Jesus, you know, it was easy for Him because He just ministered in the crowds and He just he had crowds around Him. There were always people around Him. And so, Pastor Chris, I don't have that. I'm drawn back. I don't, I don't have anybody. Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 4 because I want to show you something and I want this to be a revelation to you I want you to see how the crowds got there Matthew chapter 4 starting in verse 23 this is right before Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus sees the crowds and begins to sit down and teach this is what happened and led up to that 
It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about Him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to Him all who were all, with all various sicknesses and diseases, those suffering in severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And He healed them. And then... Large crowds began from Galilee began to gather and from Jerusalem and Judea and the reason and all across from the Jordan. They all began to follow him. But I want you to see something that how that happened. The crowds showed up because he ministered to people. Let me say that again. The crowds were not there and then he reached people. He reached the individual, and because there was change in an individual, crowds began to show up. Did you hear what I just said? You say, oh, Pastor Chris, man, if, if I had large crowds, I would stand in front of them and just proclaim Jesus. That's not what you're called to. You're called to reach people. Never get confused by that. The great commandment of going into all the world and of making disciples isn't about going and finding crowds. It's about going and ministering to Ryan. We're going to minister to Gail. We're going to minister to Corey. Church, listen to me. We've been lied to. We've been lied to to the system of this church, what we're doing right now. In fact, we have... We, the reality of it is, is this system right here of what we're doing, this gathering and you hearing me teach, has ingrained in us such bad behaviors that we think this is what it looks like. We think that, we think that reaching people is standing on a stage and, and having a microphone and speaking out and declaring the goodness of God. And, if, and until that happens, then, then I'll just wait. Until God brings me the crowds, then I'll just wait. But man, if He brings me the crowds and gives me the platform, man, I'll be the first one to speak. If I get a microphone, if I, if I get a platform, man, I will speak. I'm sorry, that's not what He did. The reason the crowds came is because He met the person first. And there was an impact on a person's life. Think about this. Crowds don't gather if people aren't changed. Did you hear what I just said? Right. And the problem is, right now, there are houses filled with people and people aren't changed because we've stopped ministering to people. We've ministered to crowds and how can we get crowds and how can we get people back and how can we fill these seats and how can we break out walls and put more pews in because we're called to the crowds. No, you are not. You might have a room full of people, but nobody is getting changed because you're not going after the person. If the church wants to see real change, we as the church will shift our eyes back to the fact that if I'm going to serve or if I'm going to speak, I, if, I, if God hasn't given me a platform, but He's given me one person in that line at Walmart, or if He's given me one person at my job or one person in my family, I will start there. I will love on them. I will show the love of God to them. I will serve them. I will minister to them. Because if I can't do that, then the crowds will never be there. 
Why would I ever show up if people really aren't changed? Did you hear what I just said? Can you imagine a church that actually changes their mindset and stops worrying about whether or not we fill a building on Sunday morning, but we actually become people that are just worried about reaching people? Whether have they ever darkened a door of the church? Did you hear what I just said? Guys, listen to me. There has got to be something where we not just understand lordship, but where we finally grab a hold of the fact that we are commanded to do something. That we are commanded to do something and we are commanded to reach people. And that means that we have to be consciously making a choice, opening our eyes and actually seeing People And I love what it says in the Bible where it says, no longer will I consider or look at people through the spectrum of a worldly vision. Does that make sense? Like, yes. I'm not going to even look at them like, like in a worldly sense of like, like right now when I look at people in a worldly sense and I'm at Walmart and somebody's in my aisle and I'm like, I'll just wait, I'll just go around. Man, I, I got to stop looking at people like that. I got to start looking at people like Jesus looked at people and just goes, man, if I can show this person love, if I can show them the, the love of God, if I can do this, I don't care if it's a, in a pandemic, I want to be that person. I'm not going to wait for the crowds to come back. Oh, Jesus, when it all becomes normal and we can all sit at a baseball game again, that's when I'll start. No, I'm going to do it right now. And if you give me one person now, I'll reach that one person because that's what you did. That's what you did. You reached one person, and because you reached one person and affected one person, crowds showed up. You want churches to be filled? Then let's reach one person. Did you hear what I just said? Guys, we have to let this sink in. We have a job to do. And I'm not even going to be stand up here and act all dramatic and say, oh, the end is near and the job is now. The job has been, the job has been there for the last 2,000 years. We've been commanded to do this for a long time. And, and whether the end is near or whether the end is 100 years off or 1,000 years off, well, if I've been given 80 years or 60 years or 70 years, I'm going to just do what I've been commanded to do in the years that I've been given. And I'm going to love people and I'm going to serve them and I'm going to show them the love of God and I'm going to show them what, what I've been given so freely because that's what I've been commanded to do and I don't get to make up the rules. Did you hear what I said today? That makes sense? Let me pray for us. Father God, you have commanded us to do a work. You have commanded us to do a job. Father, we're sitting in your house. But that's not the box that you've asked us to check off. Right? Father, you haven't just asked us to show up at your house on a Sunday morning. You've asked us to follow what you called us to do. And so let us today be spurred to do that. Let us today actually grab hold of the fact that you are Lord and you have commanded us and there's a job to be done. Pandemic or no pandemic, we have to show the love of God to people. And we have to begin to see people, individuals, how you saw them and reach them how you reach them. Let it be so, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 We'll stand to your feet, guys. Come on now.
Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.